Welcome to Multiverse Bible, the podcast where we reimagine stories from the Bible for fun and hopefully learn something new about the original stories in the process. The purpose here isn't to rewrite scripture. I believe that the passages we're reimagining are perfect, just the way they are. My name is Reed Smith, and I love the Bible, and I don't think it needs improving. For thousands of years, people have come to the Bible for truth and hope, and I don't want that to change. My only goal is that we might unpack the significance that this ancient text has had on human traditions and continues to have to this very day. The way we go about this is by asking, what if? What if the stories we read in scripture were different, even slightly? How would that change our traditions now? And in what ways would they remain the same? The following story you'll hear isn't based on real events or real people, but it reflects the kind of faith and practices that people might adopt if we had a different Bible. And maybe by asking what if, we grow in appreciation for what is. For this inaugural episode, we'll be considering the question, what if in the gospel accounts, instead of abandoning Jesus and taking his own life after betraying Jesus, what if Judas Iscariot repented? This is an idea that has bugged me for years, so it's fitting that it would be the first entry. Just as a quick disclaimer, the story you're about to hear deals with issues surrounding addiction and substance abuse. If that's something you or the people you're with aren't prepared to hear right now, feel free to wait until the next story, which should be coming out soon. With that being said, here's episode one, Recovery. She got out of the car to access the pump, but the display read, out of order. Mariah cursed with a cigarette between her teeth. The rain leaked through the overhang and dripped onto her neck. The drop was icy cold, so she cursed again. She didn't belong here in this ghetto part of town on the wrong side of the tracks. But she did belong at this gas station. She had been here so many times. That same familiar chain was familiar to her. It's the same one her dad would buy scratchers from growing up. Every time he'd pass by one, he'd pull in for his shot at the big time. He would never use his turn signal when he would turn in. That was just one of those bad habits he passed on to his daughter, Mariah. She walked inside to pay the cashier, glancing furtively out the window to remember the pump number. The mustached young man at the register took her crumpled wad of cash and activated number six, where Mariah's white hatchback was parked. Yeah, the one with the yellowed headlights. That one. Oh, and can I get a pack of silvers too, please? Mariah asked for more cigarettes. She didn't have any more cash after the first transaction, but used her card instead. And doing so, she broke her new rule to not buy vice once the paper money ran dry. After that, she would have to be done with the month. Well, supposedly. She learned this trick at group. Credit cards were supposed to be for necessary things. But who was she kidding? She had pulled from her last one and absolutely needed additional nicotine motivation for tonight. Because what she was going to do made her antsy, it made her uncomfortable, and made her afraid. The rain had picked up and she dreaded the five-second run from the front door to her car. She made it without much of a drench, 
But there was that drip again. It was like Chinese water torture. It hit her on the top of the head three times while she was filling up her tank. It was like it was moving to get her on purpose. Even the weather tonight felt like it was out to get Mariah. Back in the driver's seat, she jangled her keychain. There must have been two dozen keys on it, but she didn't even need to look to find the right one. She just jammed into the ignition and turned. A groan, a sputter, a groan, a sputter. Back and forth, she rode her key like a galley slave would row. Groan, sputter, groan, sputter, combustion. Finally, the yellowed lights blinked from their fatigue and gave just enough visibility to pass state inspection. Mariah was on her way to Tuesday night, the codename people used to mask the event for those uninitiated. There were three stoplights left before her turn, each one an invitation to go the other way. She'd been attending for a few months now, but every red light tempted her. Every right turn lane enticed. Many times she gave in to the temptation for the first month of going. Driving made her anxious on a good day, let alone on a rainy day, en route to the group. For the past month, she had been carpooling with Candy. Not having to drive was the straw that broke the camel's back that allowed Mariah to go to the group more consistently. After weeks of nagging, Mariah had finally given in. Persistence pays off eventually, she thought to herself, after accelerating through the first green light. Her wipers needed replacing and the windows fogged up. The defrost whistled through the vents to reveal the next red light, coming up a quarter of a mile down. Mariah hit the brakes abruptly. The traffic here was erratic. Candy would listen to music and sing during their 25-minute commute. The melody occupied the emptiness of an otherwise awkward moment. The first Tuesday night that they went together was rock bottom for Mariah. And people at rock bottom aren't all that amenable to positive, encouraging hits. She looked up, and the light was still red. At red lights, Candy would chew her nails while she held the steering wheel tight. So bizarre, Mariah scoffed. But to be fair, maybe Candy's trying to break a habit. Can't be any weirder than withdrawing fun money every week from the ATM. That same cash I'm going to blow through so that at the end of the month, I end up using plastic again, breaking my rule. Green light. The sedan in front of her was slow to move. Mariah saw the blue light of that driver's phone screen displaying text messages. Another bad habit, maybe even a deadly one. The pickup behind her honked at Mariah's lack of honking. She pushed against her steering wheel, but the beep was pathetic. She was terrible at remembering to use her horn. It felt rude, but that was just an excuse. Mariah rarely was paying enough attention to backseat drive her fellow motorists. The light turned yellow, and she came to a complete stop at the white line. The pickup whirled around her and ran the red. Mariah gave her steering wheel CPR this time, but she was angrier with herself than the aggressive driver. Another pause would mean another moment to second-guess herself. What were her motives anyway? What did she hope to accomplish? Did she really even need all this? What was the point? Everyone who comes to these groups are a bunch of hypocrites, right? What right do they have to tell her how to live her life? And what right does any god have 
for that matter. Why did God allow so many awful things to happen to her throughout her life? Isn't he responsible for the way her dad was, the way she is? How dare he expect me to pick up the pieces when he's the one who allowed my life to be shattered in the first place? Mariah's latest silver was getting low. She exhaled her last puff out the streaked window and tossed the butt outside. Bad habits on top of bad habits. The smoldering remains doused on the wet asphalt. She turned on the radio. Mariah frantically tried to find Candy's favorite station. Not because the songs appealed to her, because they didn't. She just wanted to take herself back, back to a time when she had a stronger will to be a better version of herself. Mariah wouldn't have smoked in Candy's car, and she certainly wouldn't have come in tipsy. It passed her mind that this social media meddler of hers, Candy, this friend, so-called, she only offered to drive because she figured it would be the safest option. Being an alcoholic doesn't mean you're drunk all the time, Candy. It just means you want to be. Candy was ignorant. Candy was innocent. She was infuriating. She was the kindest person Mariah had ever known. And she was the reason Mariah was in the car right now, driving in the rain to the house of St. Judas. The rain subsided ever so slightly, but the setting sun remained enveloped by cloud cover. It was a dreary sunset, but Mariah could imagine pink rays peeking through the gloom. Green means go, so she pushed on the gas and made her tires burn out. Now I'm in a hurry? Mariah was embarrassed about how stereotypical she was, gaining inspiration from the sunset. Does every cloud have a silver lining? I'm just happy when they don't turn into funnels. The familiar cynicism seeped through, but not enough to make her turn around. Mariah had arrived. Left turn signal on. She only used her signal for the left because those were the turns that got you in trouble. Traffic from the other side was just as heavy as the eastbound side she was on. Signal and wait. Signal and wait. Gun it and just pray? Mariah never had as much anxiety driving in the previous years. There was always a low level of anxiety, but not nearly to what it was now. It was cranked to 11. Recent events had turned the whole driving experience sour. She edged up to go, but then hesitated. I am going to be here for the rest of my life, Mariah exclaimed, exasperated. And her cell phone rang. She wouldn't let herself check it. She had to be focused. The vibration in her pocket felt like a cattle prod. It felt like the pickup truck honking behind her again. Maybe it was just candy calling to encourage her to stick with the 12-step program. Maybe it was her dad calling from the grave. Maybe it was God himself. Mariah finally looked, breaking her focus. It was just Rob. It's fascinating how three small letters in a sequence together on her contact list could stir up so many emotions. Almost hypnotic, the man's name and his smiling picture behind it took Mariah to a simpler time, to another place. Here was her boyfriend's picture, the one she had looked at so many times. What had he been thinking 
going after someone with as much baggage as her. Enough time had gone by with them that he could see through the cracks in her armor. She was completely vulnerable to him now. Yet, isn't that love? To know the secrets of another without judgment. To know the secrets of another without leaving. Isn't that love? Well, love can change, can't it? Mariah knew this from experience. There was her dad. And there were other men in her life, too. Some of whom had scratched beneath the surface to discover all the ugly that she had kept hidden. But Rob was different. Please stay different, he prayed. The last ring had rung. She didn't click to answer it in time. Mariah was distracted by the flashing lights of an oncoming SUV. They were yellowed, too. The evening darkness prevented her from seeing the driver's face, but Mariah did see a hand waving her on. There was no one else coming but the SUV, and the blurred man or woman had slowed to let her turn left at ease. And that's when Mariah's car stalled. Unbelievable. Unforgivable. Mariah cursed in repetition like a smoke alarm. The key turned again and again. Mariah rolled down her window, motioning the SUV to keep going. It didn't. The headlights kept flashing. Please just go already. Mariah was shrill to her own ears. Please just leave me alone. She was desperate to not be an inconvenience. Cars behind the SUV blared their horns. Several zoomed around to pass. The SUV remained. The driver waving Mariah on, flashing his or her lights unfazed by everyone's frustration. Groan, sputter, groan, sputter, combustion again. Her engine revived. Mariah's radio restarted, playing a song that Candy would like, and the turn signal clicked anew. She didn't give herself time to stress or to hesitate or to second guess. Mariah just accelerated to the left, crossed in front of the SUV, and into the parking lot. The Good Samaritan was gone before Mariah could even give the requisite thumbs up. It was just in time for the rain to start back up. She was early. But the close parking slots were already filled. The last few seconds had been a blur. Mariah was humiliated by herself that she got such an adrenaline rush from something so small. Sixteen-year-olds got nervous making left turns. Here she was at 34, and no more mature than a high schooler. The stimulus of it all made her thirst for numbness. Triggers came out of nowhere for the most unexpected things. The left-turn debacle made her thirst for wine. Father Marcus said these things would happen. Mariah, a drink would taste corrupt outside of a mission like the House of St. Judas. But it made it taste sweeter in her imagination. Her windshield started to fog again with her breath now that she'd parked. It was still ten till. Mariah clicked her power button to see if Rob had left a message and needed distraction. But there wasn't a voicemail, there wasn't a text, just a black screen. Her phone had used the last of its battery on the call she'd missed from him. She cursed again 
because she wasn't inside a church. She could. She still would have cursed inside, though. Father Marcus told them at the mission they could come as they are, cussing included. Rustling through her purse, she found her charger. It felt like a miracle that she hadn't forgotten it. She had been forgetting so many things recently. Mariah was all phone and no charger, and it worried Rob that she might get herself into trouble and not be able to call him for help. She would need to go inside the mission to plug in because the cigarette adapter had blown a fuse in her car. It's too bad you can't use your butane lighter to charge your phone, she muses. Mariah is no fan of showing up early for the forced friendliness of all the other addicts. Candy felt right at home here, though. These were her people, and she was theirs. Mariah knew by now that she belonged in recovery, too. The denial stage was long gone. But more than anything, she was burdened under the weight of renewed shame. Oddly enough, this was a catch-22. Shame hurt, but it also gave Mariah reason to hope. If she was ashamed, it meant that her downward spiral into oblivion had stalled, and that maybe she'd climbed up a level, or maybe just half a level. She felt something. Better shame than nothing. Shame meant that she was at least human. It still hurt, and mingling with the other natives of the downward spiral reminded her of all the things she'd lost. Progress comes with pain. Many of the other addicts were much older than her and bore the scars of self-destructive bliss, some of them visibly. Mariah winced at seeing them, knowing what her own future might look like. That familiar shape of financial ruin and estranged children. The young ones hurt even more to see. The recent grad in his 20s, so optimistic and eager, but it was a cover-up for what he loathed about himself, the things he would hide, the way he compensated for those things he would indulge when it wasn't Tuesday night. That was the mask he wore. But maybe it wasn't a mask. Maybe he was sincere. It's impossible to say. It's his journey, not mine. Mariah just remembers how many times she felt good in her younger days. But the good makes you greedy, doesn't it? It makes you feel like you deserve a reward. And her reward of choice was pitifully predictable. A glass of red, then another, and another, then the entire bottle. Why not? No point shoving the cork back in once you've come this far. Better habits can wait until tomorrow. And hopefully you're not too hungover the next day that you can remember the promises you made to yourself. The promises you made to God. And to Rob. And to Candy. And to Father Marcus and to every other lost soul at the house of Judas. What made her want to curse and drink next made her laugh instead. Anger was replaced with a tired acceptance. The vehicle she parked next to was that same honking pickup from earlier. What's the big rush? Come tell people how much of a failure you are? The irony was hilarious to Mariah, and it leveled the playing field. Guess you can't be too mad at someone you sing kumbaya with, can you? Of course the pickup would be headed to the mission. 
It was the cherry on top of a world that seemed to single her out at every turn, especially the left turns. The rain again forced Mariah to run, like nature's way of shoving her through the door to confront her own demons, as well as the demons of everyone else going through the 12-step program. The cold air was banished inside the warehouse-looking mission. The aroma of coffee and donuts poured out over the cliques of men and women, chit-chatting away. Faint music contributed to the din of the place. Mariah filled up a disposable cup of brew for warmth more than for energy. Lesser vices like sugar and caffeine were always allowed here. Someone stepped up to the adjacent carafe. Oh, hey, you're Candy's friend, aren't you? I'm Lena. Yeah, that's right. I'm Mariah. It's good to see you here tonight. Do you know if Candy's coming? I knew you both rode together. Mariah didn't recognize Lena in the slightest, but it came as no surprise that she knew Candy. Everyone knew Candy. Boisterous and unencumbered, Candy was the life of the party, even if that party was court-mandated. As a matter of fact, she earned her 30th piece last month, so she's leading her own group now, over in Millview, I think. Wow, that's fantastic. I didn't figure she was that close. Lena's cup stayed empty. The carafe was out. The lever made a gurgling noise to no avail. Lena went for a bottled tea instead, out of a cooler on the floor. It's too bad she didn't get positioned here at Tuesday night, but I guess part of the selection process is to mentor people you don't already know. Yeah, I guess that's probably why. Mariah wanted to end the conversation. The circles of people were dispersing to the large circle of foldable metal chairs toward the back of the room. There were only a couple by the wall with an outlet where she could charge her phone. Well, I think I'll head over then, Mariah said. Okay, sounds good. I'll see you in a bit. Maybe we'll be in a breakout group together this time. Hmm, yeah. Mariah hurried to the choice seats. Oh, wait. Do you want to just sit next to me and Belle? I'm so rude for not asking. Lena didn't mind that Mariah had already turned her back. Politeness, though, forced both of their hands. The mood in the House of St. Judas often rested on a knife's edge. Some days people flipped out. Withdrawal symptoms can be brutal. The women in the group tended to look and do better. Makeup can cover over a multitude of strung-out stress lines. Mariah hesitated, and the seats by the outlets were gobbled up. The desire to drink came back again. Forbidden fruit in a sacred space. Hey, thanks, but I'm good, Mariah said, feigning cheerfulness, keeping up the polite veneer, the knife's edge. She used her same thumbs up from before and found a seat next to a mouth-breathing man in shorts. Looked like he walked to Tuesday night, through the rain. Moisture glistened off his hairless knees. Mariah took a gulp of coffee and avoided eye contact, expecting... Another approach, the man to instigate another unwanted advance of forced friendliness. But there was nothing. The man's eyes were fixed on the figure standing in the middle of the circle. Well, hello, everybody, the figure in the center of the circle said. I'm Father Marcus, for those of you who don't know me, and I'm a prodigal son who struggles with substance abuse. But I'm here today. 25 years sober, and I'm grateful to God for each and every new day. You could hear a pin drop in the room, 
There was something about a priest in clerical garb confessing his own sins that made people lend an ear. But Father Marcus was no train wreck. He was confession under control. I'm also thankful to see some new faces here tonight, along with some faces we haven't seen here in a while. For those of you who have never come, or maybe just haven't come in a long time, it's good to see you. Welcome to you. And welcome back to the House of St. Judas Ministries. We've been meeting here at this facility on Tuesday nights for over a decade now, and we have seen hundreds of men and women take ownership of their addiction and make huge progress in their recovery. I recognize that, for some of you, you're on the fence about all of this. Maybe you've even been ordered by a judge to try us out. But I want you to listen to me. I want you to hear me out. Father Marcus took off his round glasses and softened his already gentle tone. I'm just so glad that you are here tonight. There are a lot of places you could be, but you chose this warehouse on the wrong side of the tracks because hopefully you're at least just curious about how your life could be different. Friends, I know because I've experienced it. By the power of Jesus, things won't just be different. They will be better. Better than you could have ever imagined. Many of you who have been coming consistently for months and, and years know this fully well. I love hearing testimonies from you all about how God has used the 12 steps in your daily lives to resist the urge to relapse. Last week, we even celebrated the 30th coin going to our very own Candy Vasquez. Hoops and hollers reverberated around the circle. The mere mention of her name was invitation to the 40 or 50 people to suspend their reverence for the priest. Father Marcus detailed out the rest of the evening's schedule. There would be a reading of scripture, followed by a testimony from a guest speaker, for 15 minutes, followed by breakout groups. The man next to Mariah got up when the priest motioned to him. There was a small orange New Testament in his hand, like the ones old ladies handed out at the mall entrance years ago around Christmas. The man cleared his throat and introduced himself as Dave. Dave's voice warbled, but held true. He would be reading from the passage that inspired the mission from its beginnings. It's always a good time to review. I'm a knucklehead and I need reminders, Dave said, forgetting the part where you need to smile to tell your audience you made a joke. We'll be reading from Matthew 26, 14 through 16, and then skipping ahead to chapter 17 and then 28. Let's get started. The warble cleared up like a rainy day as soon as he dove into the passage. The voice of a practiced orator now took the stage. He read, Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted him, 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. And we know Judas Iscariot did what he set out to do. He betrayed our Lord with a kiss in the Garden of Gethsemane. But that's not where his story ends. We'll read on. The man flipped a few pages. Mariah noticed the contrast between his shorts and soggy sweatshirt and the priest's iron black cassock. Matthew 27, 3 and on. Here's what it says. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. 
What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and wept bitterly. Now on to Matthew 28, when Jesus comes back from the dead and the angel tells the women. A phone went off in the circle. The man shrugged it off. Mariah could have been reminded of her own plight with the outlet and with Lena. But she was too busy being reminded about something else from this man Dave. Here's what the angels say to the women at the empty tomb in verse 5. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he said, Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples and Judas Iscariot. He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Notice now they mentioned Judas by name. This was something they really wanted him to hear. Thank you for that reading, Father Marcus said. And we know from John's Gospel that Jesus appears to the apostles again with Peter and Judas. Both of these men needed to be restored. When Father Marcus said the word restored, everyone repeated it out loud, like some sort of triggered reaction in the house of St. Judas. To Peter, Jesus asks him if he loves him three times, because that's how many times Peter denied him. Father Marcus then leaned in to get to his point. Jesus tells Peter to feed his sheep, and Peter repents. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 coins. So when Jesus appears to him, he asks him 30 times if Judas loves him. Three sounds a lot to me, Father Marcus laughs. 30 sounds crazy. But that persistence is what makes our Lord so special. He didn't give up on Judas, just like he hasn't given up on you. It would have been easy for Judas to give up on himself. The priest paused for what felt like an eternity and looked at everyone in the circle directly in the eye. Judas could have given up on himself. After all, who could forgive a traitor like him? Jesus could, Father. Jesus. Dave stole the priest's thunder, but it was no issue. Father Marcus didn't mind being upstaged. This moment he stood in the center of the circle wasn't about him. It was about his Lord. So Father Marcus snapped his fingers and pointed upward. Absolutely, Dave. Jesus can, and he does, and he will forgive. Everyone in here has been a traitor. We all have been because of our addiction. We've betrayed friends, family, God. We've betrayed ourselves. Most of us have done it for as little as 30 coins, some for less. I know that was me, but it's not anymore. And by the forgiveness of Jesus, I know that God's grace is sufficient. He's paid back the blood money bought by his own blood. I'm a traitor, but I'm being restored. Everyone responds in unison, saying the word again, restored. Father Marcus continues, and I being transformed through my recovery. Jesus told Peter to feed his sheep, and then he told Judas to share his wealth. And we know that's what Judas Iscariot did, not just with real debts he owed, but with his own life, proclaiming the gospel to the world until his own martyrdom. That's what I hope all of us can do. We can share the wealth of recovery. 
And today we have another friend coming forward to share. Let's give him a hand. Another man got up to the sound of applause to deliver his own testimony of addiction and ongoing recovery. Mariah sipped the rest of her coffee and listened to his story. It was nothing like hers, yet very much like hers at the same time. She was an elementary school teacher. This man was a banker. They came from different places and fell down to rock bottom for different reasons. But they both had a candy, a friend who brought them to the mission. It was the banker's wife who left him and his dying mother begging him to get clean. That was the motivation he needed. It was Mariah's old high school friend, noticing how every picture she posted on social media captured the same image. Mariah holding alcohol in her hand. Every picture without fail, even the ones with the filter. Candy cared enough to speak up. She cared enough to meddle. Mariah had brushed her off and even blocked Candy's account at one point. But it was after the accident and after Rob threatened to leave and after the other teachers started to whisper loud enough for her to hear that Mariah admitted, Candy, you're right. And Candy didn't lower it over her. She switched from worried to bubbly in an instant and invited Mariah cheerfully to the house of St. Judas that same night. Mariah wanted to drink, yes, and that desire would probably always linger, she concluded, but the downward spiral at least would stall out every Tuesday night for an hour or two. When the testimony time had ended and the men and women split up into breakout groups by gender, Mariah didn't end up with Lena. But after the discussion portion had ended and everyone had a chance to share their progress in the past week, Lena ended up walking out to the car with Mariah. Her friend Belle had already gone home. It was great to hear that you've stayed clean this week, Mariah. I'm trying my best to do the same. Lena clicked the unlock button, and the familiar honk of the truck from earlier sounded. Mariah laughed internally and waved goodbye. Before leaving, she had enough time to charge her phone enough to power it up. The folks around the outlet had congregated over the leftover coffee and donuts. There was only 10% left, so just enough to call Rob. He answered on the first ring, pretending that he wasn't nervous for her. They chatted briefly until she told him she was heading home. She ended the call before getting behind the wheel. It's never too late to start good habits. There were many habits that Mariah needed to change in her life, and she would have to face them one at a time. Maybe eventually she would earn the coins that signified that she had mastered her greatest vice. But for now, though, she clicked on her turn signal and turned right, out of the parking lot, and back on the road. I hope this story was thought-provoking, and that by asking what if, you've grown to appreciate what is already in Scripture. If people like this concept of the multiverse Bible and the kinds of stories it's telling, I'll produce more of these, but I can't do it alone. I'll need your help. If this is a project you're looking to see continue, like it, follow it, spread the word about it. Also, I'm always interested in more ideas, more what-ifs. If you have one in mind, please share it with me by emailing the idea to readreads101 at gmail.com. Again, that is readreads101 at gmail.com. 
I know it's a cheesy email address, but you gotta admit, it's catchy. Thanks for listening. God bless.